0: SCP 4159. Oh God, something touched my leg. Object Class Euclid Special Containment Procedures. Public access to areas inhabited by SCP 4159 is to be heavily restricted between March and November under the guise of hooded plover bird nest reintroduction. These areas are to be monitored both remotely and by Foundation personnel posing as Park's Victoria Rangers and seaweed washed ashore is to be collected and incinerated daily. Populations of SCP-4159 are to be counted and monitored. With civilian-inhabited areas nearby to be evacuated, should significant numbers of SCP-4159 get too close and fail to be lured away or destroyed. Weather reports are to be monitored for storms at sea, with a likelihood of bringing more specimens ashore. A minimum of four specimens are to be kept contained within Site-40 for study along with any notable specimens. Containment will be comprised of a standard wildlife containment cell with a steady supply of saltwater. Foundation personnel are advised not to come within 2 meters of SCP-4159 specimens and to work with partners to minimize the risk of injury. Description SCP-4159 are carnivorous organisms resembling large clumps of kelp endemic to several coastal regions in Victoria, Australia the size of SCP-4159 can vary greatly. Footnote 1. Most often between 4 and 2,700 kilograms in weight, though significant outliers have been found. See Incident 4159-44. But all specimens encountered have been composed of a mass of various connected lengths of kelp. Examination has shown no significant difference between the tissue of SCP-4159 and naturally occurring kelp species, leading to investigations into whether SCP-4159 is created from ordinary kelp or is an entirely different organism. SCP-4159 inhabits shorelines, reefs, rock pools, and shallow waters, with specimens adopting different behaviors in different environments, suggesting intelligence comparable to cephalopods. This behavior includes, but is not limited to, laying in wait as an ambush predator among sand and mundane seaweed, Active predation of slower-moving prey, such as sea turtles, seals, and sleeping animals. Footnote 2. see Addendum SCP-4159-B The use of tools such as stones, nets, and corpses, typically in alluring fashion. Footnote 3. Sea Addendum SCP-4159-B Bioluminescent hypnosis reminiscent of the hunting behavior of many species of cuttlefish structuring itself into limbs to grapple prey items. Observation has shown that while SCP-4159 is slow moving, they are able to move silently and have proven to be exceptionally strong, with smaller specimens capable of subduing adult humans. Upon obtaining a prey item, SCP-4159 typically suffocates or drowns it before moving to a secluded, damp location to digest it. It accomplishes this by what is thought to be a form of phagocytosis enveloping the prey item in itself, and slowly absorbing it over a period of hours, though larger individuals are able to digest nutrition faster by virtue of having more surface area with which to apply to the task. The peak season for SCP-4159 is between late March and mid-October, though this may vary based on the climate, with colder and stormier weather bringing specimens from deeper water suggesting they may be dislodged from their warm water habitat by storms in a manner similar to non-anomalous kelp or even jellyfish. Monitoring of SCP-4159 populations' migratory habits has shown that each year they arrive and depart from the same direction, with recent analysis showing populations converging on an isolated reef located at negative 39.937113, 146.077304. Footnote 4 Investigation into this location is still ongoing, though it is suspected to be anomalous due to inconsistent scans and identical reefs being spotted in other locations around the world. Addendum SCP-4159-A On April 19th, 2017, civilians reported the disappearance of their child, Nicholas MacArthur, who was last seen riding his bike in the town of Kilcunda, Victoria. A police search of the area led to the discovery of MacArthur's remains being consumed by an instance of SCP-4159 within a playground tube. Embedded Foundation agents soon dispatched a field team to establish a perimeter, with police units being amnesticized and returned to duty. The specimen was destroyed, and MacArthur's remains were recovered. Footnote 5. Remains were later buried under the guise of being the victim of an infectious necrotic virus known to be prevalent in the area. Examination of local CCTV footage shows Nicholas MacArthur arriving at the playground at 1530, playing on the swings, then entering the sand pit where the SCP-4159 specimen had disguised itself as a rudimentary sandcastle. The resultant attack incapacitated MacArthur within 19 minutes, before retreating into the playground tube to ingest the victim. Later investigation was able to track the specimen to a creek several hundred meters away. This was the only known instance of SCP-4159 entering a freshwater environment and one of the earlier cases of the usage of a sandcastle disguise. Addendum SCP-4159-B Following a successful operation in the town of Baronsdale, Victoria, relating to an uninvolved anomaly, a number of Epsilon-6, village idiots, agents were sleeping at a waterfront motel awaiting extraction the following morning during the course of the night an scp 4159 instance subdued and partially consumed agent holtzinger these events have been reconstructed based on witness accounts and recovered security footage witness statement incident 415934 b1 witness mark bolding in the microphone okay boss so it's like i said before um It was about 2-ish in the morning, and Jan kicked me out for smoking in the room. I was standing out on the veranda and looking out at the water, thinking about going for a surf in the morning. You know, that sort of stuff. Anyway, I saw something coming out of the water right about then. Must have been a seal or something. Looked kind of funny, all flattened and sort of stretched out, you know. Probably sick. That happens all the time with that expletive desalination plant they built, you know. Witness Statement. Incident 4159-34B-2. Witness. Cherie Lockwood. Statement. Yeah, it was 2.30 in the morning and I saw on the security camera that there was all this water and seaweed in the car park leading in the rooms. You know, a slipping hazard? Last thing I need is for my boss to see me let an OH and S violation go, so I head out with the mop to clean it up. That's when the service button at the front desk paged me. I'd pretty much finished anyway. It was pretty much just in the gardens by that point, so I went and handled the customer. Recovered CCTV footage. Timestamp, 239, July 12, 2018. Visual log. Footage shows a static view of the footpath and room doors along it. All doors are closed, and no light shines throughout any windows. 240. July 12, 2018 SCP-4159 instance enters frame from the west. Specimen is noted to be covered in leaves and detritus, and is estimated to weigh 25 to 30 kilograms. Upon reaching the closest door to the camera, that housing Agent Holtzinger, the specimen proceeds to flatten itself to the ground and enter the room under the door. 430, July 12, 2018 Agent Holtzinger exits the room and is seen to be in a slumped backward position and moving with a stiff, shambling motion. Upon moving closer to the camera, the SCP-4159 specimen can be seen tightly clinging to Agent Holtzinger's lower back and neck. 433, July 12, 2018 Agent Holtzinger and the SCP-4159 instance leave frame. Foundation Incident Report, Form 34-B Name of Agent Erwin Wood Report At approximately 4.40, I was awakened by odd sounds outside the window of my room. Upon investigation, I could see a person leaning on a tree in the courtyard by the public toilet block. I was unable to see the person in any detail from my room, so I dressed and went outside to investigate. Upon arriving at the courtyard, the person had moved towards the tree line near the toilet block. They were moving strangely, as though they were being shaken by someone from behind. I approached and shone my torch on the person and identified them as Agent Holtzinger. She was not breathing and had strings of kelp tangled in her pajamas and hair. Upon closer inspection, I saw that a mass of anomalous kelp had been attached to the back of Agent Holtzinger and was shaking them. I proceeded to call for support from the rest of the task force and proceeded to aid in the containment of Agent Holtzinger. Following this incident, an investigation into the population of SCP-4159 was launched. The results of this investigation showed a population explosion of SCP-4159 in the area, with the cause of this event suspected to have been a king tide several weeks before. Agent Holtzinger's remains were seen to have sustained multiple fractures to the mandible, left ulna, and left radius, along with the partial digestion of the epidermis, fatty tissue, Muscle and bone at the back portion of the torso, neck, and scalp. Cause of death has been ruled as suffocation. Agent Holtzinger's remains were disposed of as per standard procedure, and a cull of SCP-4159 was initiated. Incident 4159-44 On October 27th, 2018, Foundation Agent Isaac Plum disappeared while investigating reports of SCP-4159 near the town of Aspen Valley, Redacted Island, to the northwest of the Kent Islands. Agent Plum's last report indicated his intention to investigate the town from a distance before taking further action. Following his disappearance, a task force composed of four agents, Footnote 6, Commander Grace Gihim, Corporal Brendan Ostradi, Corporal Daryl Brayshaw, and Private Margaret Hicks, was sent from Site 40 to investigate. Upon arriving at Redacted Island, Commander Guy reported that the dock and marina were deserted before proceeding towards Aspen Valley on foot. Upon confirming a visual of the town, Commander Geeham reported multiple SCP-4159 instances in the town, primarily located on top of and around buildings and trees. The task force was instructed to proceed into the town to locate Agent Plum, and determine the extent of the infestation. Closer examinations show that the sighted SCP-4159 instances were in fact a single enormous specimen, estimated by Commander Giham to weigh several tons, with tendrils extending into all the buildings in the town via windows, doors, and chimneys. All members of the task force but Commander Giham were lost in action, and Commander Giham was found when the expeditionary vessel washed ashore redacted miles from Site-40. Interviewer, Dr. Hawker. Interviewed, Commander Grace Guiham, Green Leader of Task 4, with previous experience in working with SCP-4159. Forward, following the events of Incident 4159-44, Commander Guiham submitted an after-action report and was placed on administrative leave while an effort was made to verify her claims. At this time, her report remains unverified and Commander Giham was interviewed once more to determine the report's veracity. Begin log. Dr. Hawker. Hello again, Commander Giham. Please, sit down. Commander Giham sits and looks at Dr. Hawker expectantly, appearing restless. Commander Giham. So this means you sent someone to look at Redacted Island, right? You saw it? You saw what it does, why you need to wipe them out? The reconnaissance team didn't see anything suggesting anything other than a severe SCP-4159 incursion, though not without abnormalities. We have asked you here to restate your report in your own words and to help us clarify the events surrounding Redacted Island. When you're ready, Grace. Commander Geeham is noted to look irritated and anxious. Sir. Yes, sir. We landed on the island at 0700 hours and found the marina and the docks empty. We weren't expecting that. 4159 incursions are slow. They pick off one or two people at a time. Never groups. How could they? They're slow. After some discussion, the the team and I discussed our plan and considered the possibility of something else operating in the area. Something else? Despite reports of SCP-4159 operating in the area. Wouldn't be the first time. Remember what happened in the redacted disappearance? Noted. Please continue, Commander Geheim. Well, we headed into the town down the road from the docks, and that's when we saw the 4159s all over the town. Only they looked off somehow, like they were asleep or sick or something. Either way, they were really big, about as big as any of us had seen before. Mounded up on all the roofs and power lines. Hanging down into windows and chimneys. And that is when you decided to split into pairs. That's right. At this point, I... I didn't realize it was different to normal specimens we dealt with before. Besides, we had the flamethrowers and we were all experienced agents. At least, I thought we were. Commander Geeham sighs and appears remorseful. Continue your statement, Grace. We split up. Myself and Dare Corporal Brayshaw were covering the west side of town. Ostradi and Hicks were on the east. We kept in contact with each other the whole time. The insides of those houses. I've never seen it have that effect on an environment before. Commander Geeham shows visible signs of distress and drinks my glass of water. It had turned the inside of the houses into a sort of nest. Rotting plants and fishing nets and furniture... Piled together with these tendrils coming from the specimen, leading into the nest through the windows and fireplace. Just as Brayshaw and I went to investigate, Hicks called on the radio saying that she could see a long mass of kelp leading from the specimen to the water, and that all the instances of 4159 were joined together. That's about when we realized it was one massive specimen, not lots of smaller ones. I ordered her and Ostradi to come back to our location, and Braysaw, he... We can take a short break if you need to compose yourself, Grace. Commander Geeham takes a deep breath and shakes her head. I'm good. I'm okay. He found the room that used to live there. Their beds were in the middle of the nest in the living room. They... They were all webbed to their beds with bits of 4159. It was growing into their faces like... It burrowed through the sinuses and just grew all the way inside. It... They... They had big masses of these gas-bladder-looking objects bursting out of their skin, all over their bodies. Most of them were small, like grapes, but... Others were like tennis balls. When I shone my torch on them, I could see 4159 embryos inside. Like eggs. Then Brayshaw saw it too, and... He just lost it. Lost it? He shoved me aside and blasted the nest with his flamethrower. Inside the building. When he did, the specimen defended itself. Tendrils as thick as trees burst in from the window and grabbed him. Would have grabbed me, too, if I didn't scoop back out onto the street on my ass like an idiot. You didn't attempt to aid Corporal Brayshaw? It, explicitly, crushed him like a bug. I saw him crumple down to half his size and fountain blood out of his mouth. It was all I could do to get out and try to get to Hicks and Astradi. Commander Geham pauses and composes herself. They were in the middle of the street, shouting to me and Brayshaw. The whole thing was flailing all over the place. even knocked down one of the houses as it pulled most of its mass into the street and started hauling itself towards us from the direction of the docks. We could see at least a dozen people dragging along behind it, Caught up in its tendrils like the family Brayshaw found, and it hadn't even gotten out of all the houses yet. Commander Geeham pauses and stares at the wolf for 18 seconds. Dr. Hawkter touches Commander Greham's arm. What happened next, Grace? After you regrouped with the rest of your team? We. we ran. Astradi saw the town's abattoir at the end of the street, and since it was a bluestone building, we figured it would be strong enough to keep the specimen out. As we were entering the front door, Corporal Ostradi, he... He walked onto a tree and some tendrils descended and grabbed him, yanked him into the air. He called out to us, but I had to make a call. It was just... it was too much of a risk to go back, so we left him and entered the abattoir. Commander Giham places her head in her hands and breathes heavily for several minutes. Commander, we have all had to make hard decisions here. It's part of the job, though I understand that doesn't make things any easier. Take some deep breaths and try to finish. Okay. Okay. Giham nods and clears her throat. When we entered the building, we moved deeper inside as quickly as we could to set up a defensive perimeter on the kill floor. Hicks joked that it seemed appropriate, but when we got in there, we saw that the back of the building had been knocked down by the specimen. It was slumped on the wall of the building and over the alleyway. There was a small whale there in the same condition as the people in the first building, laying against a propane tank. The specimen shuddered and started to squeeze into the breach, so I ordered Hicks to fire in the propane tank with me. Under most circumstances, I would call that reckless, Commander. You're absolutely sure it was necessary. We were trapped in there. What choice did we have? Besides, it worked. The tank went up, knocked us both on our asses, but the thing was right on top of the explosion and got blown to bits. We managed to get to our feet despite our injuries and helped each other onto the street. What was left of the specimen was retreating towards the woods, and we followed at a distance to return to the boat. By the time we made it, we couldn't make visual contact with the specimen. After treating her injuries as best we could, I took the first shift piloting the boat back towards the site. And Private Hicks, what happened to her? She... I was sleeping while it was her time driving. The propeller jammed in. She said to rest while she checked it out, since my wounds were fairly severe compared to hers. I... I'm not sure what happened, but I heard her gasp. When I managed to get outside, I saw her jump into the water. Commander Geeham takes a deep breath. I think she was hypnotized. There were lights in the water when she jumped, much brighter than any bioluminescence I've seen on a 4159 before. They followed me the whole time until I got close to shore, and then I washed up and the team found me. Dr. Hocter Stance. Thank you, Grace. For the time being, I would like... Dr... I can't stay here. I need to go to an inland site. I... Every time I look at the water, I see those glowing lights. You... For a second, I could swear that Hicks smiled at me as she jumped into the water. I... I'm afraid that if I keep seeing those lights, I'll walk into the sea with that same smile. Noted, Commander. We'll see what we can do. End log. Note. I'd like for the families of Corporal Brendan Ostradi, Corporal Daryl Brayshaw, and Private Margaret Hicks to receive the standard monetary payout and deepest condolences on behalf of the Foundation. Furthermore, Commander Geeham is to be administered Class B amnestics as per her request and transferred to site redacted. Further investigations into the events of Incident 415944 and the whereabouts of Agent Plum are to be made a high priority with extreme caution to be taken in said investigation. Dr. D. Hawker, Site-40 Director Thank you for listening to SCP-4159, Oh God, Something Touched My Leg, by Dr. Balthazar. If you enjoyed this SCP, please like and subscribe, and follow the link in the description to the SCP Wiki, and vote it up to support it and the SCP Wiki as a whole.